hope you've had a good weekend. I think it's been good. Lots to chew over, but you're powerful to think, okay? This era is not based on unity around doctrines. It's unity in Jesus, where we're all powerful to think differently. Because in Jewish culture, they're not like Western culture. We've got to become more Jewish. In Jewish culture, they have a saying, if two Jews are arguing, there'll be three opinions. <laughs> and they call it um, L'Shem Shamayim, which means this, an argument for the sake of heaven. And in their culture, you keep relationship, you eat together, you can have a fiery disagreement, and they believe you both might be right. You know, see, we live in a culture that's dualistic. It's called Greek thinking. So it's black and white, yes or no, one or zero. That's not the world of the Bible. The Bible will offer you lots of truths all at once. And you're thinking, how can they even sit together? Um, I'll give you an example. If you've got the number, you know, if I draw like the number nine, and you're standing over there, you'll think it's a six. If you're standing over there, it's a nine. But who's right? So one of the problems we're dealing with in the Western church is that we've been taught by Greek thinking, Plato and dualism, which is not the Hebraic way of thinking. So, you know, heaven's there, earth here. That's not Hebraic. Do you know what I'm saying? Heaven's around you. Earth is in the heavens. So what am I saying is that I might present a truth to you, but it's okay if you've got a different perspective on that truth. And in this era, our agreement isn't around doctrine. That's just us journeying together, arm in arm, realizing we all know nothing. So another Jewish way of thinking, which we, we could really use in the West, is the, the fact that the heavens is accessed through the letter Delet, which is the door. It's the fourth letter. So the fourth represents the whole cosmos, the four corners of creation, uh, the, f- the four elements, the four dimensions that make up the universe. You know, the universe is made up of four dimensions. So the delet is number four in the alphabet, okay? And it, the symbol of this is, uh, the word dal means the poor man. The poor man, and the symbol of it is someone bending over to the Lord, bowing towards the Lord. The other symbol of it is being in your tent door, so do you remember when, and they draw it like that, when, when Moses would encounter God, it said they all stood in their tent door, which meant they were like that. And the pillar would come. So the letter that connects to the delet is the gimel, which is the third letter. The gimel means, the gamal and gimel means the rich man or the generous one. It means the camel hump, which is the power to go the distance. Now what they teach is, is that as you become the poor man and you say, of myself, I can do nothing, the rich man runs towards you. So there's a saying in Hebrew, generosity runs. But generosity runs towards the poor one who knows nothing. To furnish them with the full supply of the third heaven, third being the full supply and fatness of his house. In other words, the meek inherit the earth. So what am I saying? To even go where we've gone all weekend, if it's made you feel like you know nothing, then generosity will run towards you. 
And some of the way I teach, I deliberately make that happen to you because that postures you for heaven to respond. So I deliberately create a mindset in you where you go, man, I thought I knew stuff. And now I know nothing. This is kind of tricky. Also, it's hard for me to do external acts when I'm concentrating on being... So... Even though I've been going into heaven for 20 years, the, actually the first time I ever got caught up into heaven was in Toronto oh, wow. in 1998. I was in bed with my wife and a wave of God's presence hit me and they got stronger and stronger. And then I went, poop, and I saw heaven. Even though I've gone there, I, my posture when I go to before the Lord still in my prayer room in the basement is, Lord, I know nothing. Teach me. I know nothing. I've resolved to know nothing and be familiar with nothing except Christ and him crucified through whom I have died to the world and the world has died to me. Now I'm enjoying a new existence. Boo! And in I go. You know, and that posture really saves you a lot of trouble because the truth is you don't know what's going on. (laughs) So the other way, like I've said before, God's name begins with the Yod. Yod, hey, vav, hey. This is the word Yahweh, but in your Bible, it's always translated as Lord. So whenever you hear the word Lord, it should be Yod, hey, vav, hey, which is Yahweh, right? So God's name is the full supply of everything that he is and everything that he does. It is a strong tower that you can run into. It is, it is a covering with tassels that you can pull on for shalom or, or richness or healing or anything. It's all in the supply of his name. So when he says, I've given you my name, he has given you the full substance of everything that he is. So how do we enter into the name? This is the amazing thing. We go through the yod, which is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's the tiny dot. The narrow door, which says, I know nothing. But hidden behind that dot is an infinite world. It's called the unlimited one, or Ein Sov, the one that is beyond and beyond all understanding. So Hebraic teachers teach this. If you imagine this wall here is God, that whole wall is God, which wouldn't be good because like God's unlimited, but I'm going to do this as an example to help us. If I drew a tiny dot in the corner there, that would be the sum total of all that every human has ever learned about God. Wow. <laughs> That's what they teach. So all that human, humanity has learned about God so far is a dot on that vast wall. So if you think that everything that we've learned in this word is a dot, what is the rest of it? And this is the, th- the sad thing with like, you know, I'm sorry I was a bit critical at times about different things. I've already said sorry, Lord. You know, I mentioned Notre Dame burning down. I'm sorry. It's a lovely building. Please rebuild it. I mentioned seminaries. Forgive me. They're very nice places, I'm sure. Um, but the problem is, is that our culture is all about experts. So in a newspaper article, they'll always go, oh, an expert says this. An expert. I'm like, they're an expert, are they? Really? So this isn't the, where we're going isn't about being an expert. It's about knowing who you're walking with. Like Enoch walked with God. Abraham walked with God not knowing where he was going. 
See, true people that walk with God don't need to know where they're going. They've not got a five-year plan. They've got a one-moment plan, which has been in union with him and being like the wind, and they'll go where he goes, and they'll do what he pleases, and they've let go of the ego. They've let go of their ways because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and his ways are higher than your ways. And you, all you know is a little dot, so you, all you do is you begin to entangle into it. Yod, hey, vav, hey, and you join the dance. And your life becomes full of bliss and joy where you do not fret or be anxious about anything. Because that's unnecessary. Because you're with him and in him and he's in you and you're one and it's too late. It can't be undone. Oh, okay. Which one do we raise now? This one? Is everybody happy so far? So that's Hebraic thinking. Now, I love this thing, L'Shem Shamayim. It's called an argument for the sake of heaven. And they say one of the things about the argument is you, you can sit and have dinner together and be friends but have opposing opinions. I wish the church was more Hebraic. I don't know why we're not Hebraic. I think for some reason we don't know how to argue well. We haven't understood the bliss of arguing. I love a good argument with my wife. I think she looks awesome when she's arguing with me. I'm like, you are hot. <laughs> I said that out loud, didn't I? So I can't take that back. So, you know, yay. So we've got to get away from the culture of fear. We're, we're afraid to be different. Where we're going, we're all having, going to have to be different because you are a unique manifestation. You're a fragment of your hey vav hey, and only you can be who you are or do what you do and reveal what you reveal. And we should not try and say, you've got to think like me, sound like me, act like me. No, I'm working with you to empower you to be a unique manifestation of the wonder and glory of God. And it's not about whether we agree on how many, if the seven spirits are one spirit or seven or this layer or that layer of creation. It's that I know you, I see you, I love you, I'm with you. And together we're going into a brand new world, a brand new creation full of goodness and love and creamy fatty goodness and bliss and joy unspeakable, planet joy, that we're moving towards planet joy. Whatever that looks like, this is, you're living on planet joy, just deal with it. Says the knowledge of his goodness will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. This is planet yummy, yummy planet. It's the planet that's going to be glowing. You're on, you know, the glow planet. Just deal with it. It's okay. So all things are working together for good, and all of history is moving towards that end. In fact, heaven is drawing nigh, which means even as you sleep, heaven just creeped in even more. Heaven is drawing nigh to the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. It's a foregone conclusion. The cross has won the field. It's just a matter of time. So we're living in the theater of his glory. So you may as well enjoy it. You may as well enjoy it. And be powerful to be you. Be powerful. You know, we can't have a culture where we're afraid of disagreements. That has to go. You know, we can't be a conformity culture because this is the way it works right is that we're in the the, the era where revelation is and wisdom is coming like rain okay that means tomorrow you may wake up and think totally differently just because God spoke to you in a dream it's just happening 
So we can't get let our relationships be locked in on what I believed yesterday. Because what I believed yesterday, I may not believe tomorrow. Because the increase of his government in me and his peace in me and grace in me is changing me. Which means we mustn't be afraid and we mustn't gather around truths. Because truths can be true, but they can be truer. So judgment is a truth, but mercy triumphs over judgment, which means that's a truth that's in the room in your consciousness, but someone may have a higher truth called mercy. But they're both true. So we've got to give permission to journey out the layer of truth that's been revealed to us. But be open to the fact that he's drawing us out and he's calling us to the edge. He called me to the edge. I said, I can't fly. He said, he called me to the edge. I said, I can't fly. He called me to the edge. He pushed me, and I flew. See, you'll always feel like you're being pushed at the edge, but come to the edge. Come to the edge of how big you think God is, how powerful you think God is, how outrageous the gospel is, and you will find you were made for that realm. You were made to fly in that realm, that you've got wings. You are not earthbound. You are not bound by your past or your genetics or your gender or your education. But you are a new creation. And you, you can even change how good your singing voice is. You can change your intellect. All of our team, their voices are getting better because we believed as he is, so are we. And sometimes I hear the team singing now and I'm thinking, wow, what happened to you? I can see such a difference in the last three years and then people getting younger because we start to realize, actually, I don't have to agree with decay. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Even like, we don't even have to have like, like agreement of what it looks like to be intoxicated by God because when I'm most intoxicated, it's most imperceptible to people. Because I've gone into the prayer of silence. Where I'm just like, mm, I love you so much. It's just so good. That's a deep realm of whack right there. <laughs> Falling over in that deep, that's just fun. Yeah, and I'm not against that. Falling over is fun. But honestly, sometimes when I'm in the deepest realms of the spirit, I'll, I'll even have moved out of myself. And you can't tell. You'll be talking to me. And you will have no idea that I'm in another place with God. I, in fact, you know, I was just in Germany recently, and I was preaching, but I was outside of myself, caught up in the lampstands, whilst I was preaching. One time I was preaching in Horsham, and I could hardly talk because the presence was so thick, and suddenly the Lord pulled me out into space and showed me the cosmos, and there was a being, all I can describe it is electric fire, beauty, ballet, and dance moving, that was so astonishing, made of orange particles and flames of of light, and, and I couldn't even find language for it, and I was astonished, and, and I was amazed, but my body was still preaching. So I'm teaching in Horsham, but I'm not there anymore. I'm there, but I'm there, and the Lord spoke to me audibly and said, do you know what this is? And I said, no, but I was so astonished. I could, he hardly, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, and the Lord said, this is the beauty of the human spirit. And the human spirit has a limitless capacity to grow. And I came out of it and carried on speaking, but caught up in this. So I went back to the hotel, and I was like, or the place I was staying, I said, Papa, I need a verse for that. Because I'm a good Christian. <laughs> he said, that's fine. 1 John 3 verse 2. 
But now we are sons of God, but what we will be, we do not know. I just saw what we do not know. Amen. Anyway, I kind of waffling. This wasn't my message, but it's okay. <sighs> Thank you, Father. How much time's left? Shall I end it there, or is that good for Sunday? <laughs> Should we get on with Sunday dinner? <laughs> do people do Sunday dinner here in the UK? You have chicken dinner. You know, you have little Yorkshire puddings. They're beautiful. Do you eat Yorkshire puddings? Do you know what they are? I love Yorkshire puddings. Chicken, gravy. I remember as a kid, my parents used to run a church. We'd usually have like 15 students showing up at the house. They would all eat chicken dinner and then fall asleep in the living room. <laughs> my mum made rice pudding. Do you guys like rice pudding? She made homemade big loads of rice pudding with a creamy layer on top. Thank you for Sundays, Lord. A lot of whack on Sundays. A lot of glory on the King of Glory. Okay, right, I'll get back to being serious. I'm sorry, Canadians. I tried it. I tried humor for you. How much time's left? <laughs> How much time have I got? Because, yeah, 20 minutes. 30 minutes, okay. Just stand up for a second then, just to stretch your legs, and I'm going to go for it again. So thank you, Father. Lord, I pray, yum, yum, yum. We want Jesus' chicken dinner, the lamb that was slain, the lamb shank of heaven. Do you guys know what lamb shank is? It's when you have a little lamb's leg, and it's cooked so nice, the, the beef just kind of melts off. In the gravy and in the, you know, you might have a little bit of mint sauce on it. Mm. Woo! That little lamb shank. Just get whacked off the lamb right now. That's what scripture says. It says, let us feast upon him. This is what the verse says. The lamb has been slain, so let us feast upon him. Just eat that gravy-coated lamb shank. You know, the Passover, they were commanded to eat the whole thing. Eat all of it. Okay, some of you may be vegetarian. It's okay. <laughs> it's a principle. Don't be Greek. Greeks think everything's literal in the Bible. They read things like, oh, locust attacking this and that. And, but, you know, you have the fruit of the Spirit. But when was the last time you picked a banana or an apple off someone's head? We've interpreted so much of Scripture as being literal, when lots of it is symbology, right? So the lamb is Jesus, that you can eat him, and his life will be in you. And you glorify the chef by eating what he has given. And you honor the chef by enjoying the food that was provided. You can add nothing to the feast. All you can do is eat it. All you can do is taste it and see that the Lord is good. Yum, 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 yum. Yum, yum. Yum, yum. Yeah. Yeah, just try getting a little bit whacked. Just try a little, just a little bit of whack, okay? A little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down. Or is it a little bit of honey? 
a little bit of sugar. Yeah. And go down. You've got to have a little bit of whack to swallow this, right? Just try, just try getting a little bit whacked. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Yum, yum. Okay, you can, I'll, let, I'll give you permission to get whacked without showing it. Try that. Just get whacked, but don't let anyone know you're doing it. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, sit down then. Last session, I just want to end this series that we've done this weekend, because we've been talking about Beyond, so we're talking about Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is a huge mystery within church history. Hardly anything's been written about it, and I'm not going to give you the answers, because that would that I can't give you the answers. But I want to talk to you about a different way of living that transcends the temporal, transcends limitations, and is endless bliss. Okay? Now, I want to tell you something interesting about the Bible. The Bible is like um, web addresses that are meant to take you into the substance. Okay? So... Don't let the, the, God, the Word of God pre- prevent you from engaging the God of the Word. Come on. Come on. So Ian Clayton's got a teach, teaching called using the Bible as a gateway. So the Bible, if you think of every verse, it's encoded with life, but it's a realm that you can go into. To put it another way, don't let satisfaction with, uh, with good theology rob you from an encounter with God. Don't be so satisfied that you've read something and understood it that you don't go into the realm that it comes from. Do you hear me? So what I want to talk about is Psalm 23, very briefly. I want to tell you a mystery about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Hidden inside that, that, that psalm is golden strands that go through the whole Bible that show this is a condition that you can live in. It's a condition that Jesus has brought you into because he said, I am the door. Whoever goes in will find green pastures. So the clue is in the rabbi's words. He said, I am the door. Whoever believes in me will go into Psalm 23. That was the clue in the word, green pastures. So he said, I am the the access point for the substance that's in that psalm. Now, what was revealed to me, and I'm not going to explain how it happened, but it's a long story. Um, It's a powerful story, but it would take time to explain it. But one of the saints came, this is just the shortened version, Jean Goyon. Do you guys know Jean Goyon? She came to my house, and she came in the basement when I was praying, and the presence of God filled the whole house. It's three stories. I was in the basement. Rachel was upstairs. She ran downstairs. She said, you're having a visitation, aren't you? And I said, yes, I was sitting quietly, and Jean Goyon appeared, and all she did was she knelt before me, and she put a hand on my leg and prayed quietly for 20 minutes. It triggered a two-week experience of being caught up in God, where I was taught about Psalm 23. 
So over, over, over two weeks, I was shown how every verse connects to other verses in the Bible and how it's actually a picture of the order of Melchizedek. So I'm just going to quickly run through it with you and see if you can catch it. But Lord, I ask that you help us. Psalm 110.4 says, You, Jesus, are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So this is something that's forever. The old covenant, era, and all those things are passed away. The, the Levitical has passed away. But there's a priesthood that's forever. Which, and Jesus is that, in that priesthood. And Jesus, it says in, in Colossians 3, it says the exact life in Christ is now repeated in us. So whatever Jesus is, if Jesus is the order of Melchizedek, it means that's going to be what you function in. And you're going to learn how it functions. Whatever the order of Melchizedek is, it's your destination. That you've been called because Jesus came after the order of Melchizedek and Jesus was the blueprint and design of us. And where he is now, we are. And what he does, we do. So if he's the priest forever, forever, there is an order forever. And this is the order of Melchizedek is what's going to transform creation. Okay? But it's hidden. I, man, the Psalms are so dense with revelation. Can I just go through it really quickly with you and you can journey out yourself. Number one. It starts with the idea, the Lord is with you. Union, the Lord is my shepherd. You are in his arms. So access in this realm comes from the simple idea that he is holding you as the lamb next to his heart. Just picture yourself as the little lambkin, all cute and fluffy, innocent and beautiful, and the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, loves you so much that he holds you in his heart, that is the beginning of the realms. It's that posture where of yourself, you don't have to do anything. The little lambkin doesn't have to do anything for the shepherd. The shepherd has set his affection on the lamb and will lay down his life for the lamb and holds the lamb. This is why God's trying to change the worship in our generation to union because union gives access to these dimensions because when you're with him, You have everything you need. So the Lord is my shepherd. You're with him. You're in union with him. Communion with him. Like this, it says of Moses, with him I communicate face to face. We speak directly and without riddles. He can see the very form of the eternal. You are the people of the FaceTime with Jesus. You are FaceTimers. You've got his address. You can log in and speak to him at any time in the spirit. You are uniquely and wonderfully able to access the very face of God. And you are in him and he loves you. You are his lambkin. You're his baby. You're the baby at the breast. Another way the the mystics talked about this. He said, said, drink pure spiritual milk like a baby at the breast. You are a baby being held by Yahweh with a full supply of his creamy goodness. And what does the baby have to do? Nothing. Just drink. It just has to go, oh, nom, 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 yeah. The baby doesn't have to give anything because the mother is well contented. And even as the mother's feeding the baby, the mother gets whacked off feeding the baby. This is true. I've told you guys about this before. I loved watching my wife breastfeed. Because Oliver would go into like a milk coma. See, this is how simple heaven is. All the mystics of old described it as the Milky Way. Uh, Milky Way. (laughs) 
sorry, the buttery way, the creamy way, but milky way, right? Like a baby, be at the breast. Oh, how long I've gathered you at my breast. El Shaddai, the many-breasted one. There's a breast for everyone. <laughs> you know, I loved, I loved watching my, mou- uh, my mouth. <laughs> I loved watching my, my wife breastfeed, you know. And I'm not trying to be crude, but she was so full of milk when Oliver came along that sometimes just as you, she got the baby, it would squirt out uncontrollably and it would hit me in the face at night. And she'd go, I'm sorry, honey. And I'd be like, it's okay. It's okay. And that's what the gimel is. Remember I said the dilette, the poor man has the gimel? The gimel is the one that's bursting with supply for the poor man that has the courage to say, mm, I want it, I need it. And then you begin to access this amazing order called the order of Melchizedek. Unless you become like a child, you cannot see it. It's so simple. Would you believe it? That God who loves us just wants us to love him and accept him and drink from him. And then it says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he gives you the whole lot. But that's what Christians don't do because Christians withhold their pleasure for sports and other things. And I'm not saying that to condemn you, but why would you take such raw pleasure in that but not raw pleasure in him? Why so guarded with your affections? What has he done to so offend you that you can't take pleasure in him? Okay, so you come into union and then this amazing thing happens. Oh, by the way, John, the beloved, is an example of this. He leans on the chest. He's right there at the breast. Okay, number two. This is where it shifts. This is so controversial. How is this even in the Bible? It says, I have everything. I have everything. Everything I need. How is that even possible that there's a realm where you are so in God that you have no needs? So your, your prayers are never about needs ever again. That's the order of Melchizedek. I can tell you now, the order of Melchizedek isn't a group of people begging God. They're in the full supply of his house and manifest in righteousness, peace, and joy. Melchizedek means the king of righteousness, the king of shalom, the king of peace. This is how um, Jean Goyon described it. Abandonment is laying aside forever all your spiritual needs. Casting off all your cares, dropping all of your needs. It's forgetting your past, leaving the future in his hands, and it is devoting the present fully and completely on the Lord. And from that moment, you think of him. Even your whole viewpoint of life will have to be altered so that you may go on deeper still deeper into another level with your Lord. Paul described it as this in 2 Corinthians 12, 14. He said, I was a dependent, passive instrument of the Lord. A dependent, passive instrument of the Lord. See, the ultimate proof of faith is not experiencing the supernatural, but entering into rest. The ultimate evidence of faith is not you manifesting the supernatural. Remember, Israel had the supernatural, but they did not enter into rest. Rest, the Sabbath is now a place 
This is a brilliant definition. The Sabbath is now a place of God's unhindered enjoyment of man and man's unhindered enjoyment of God. The Sabbath is unhindered enjoyment of two people in union. And rest is the evidence of the finished works. Hebrews 4.10, God's rest celebrates his finished work. Whoever enters into God's rest immediately abandons his own efforts to complement what God has already perfected. The language of law is due. The language of grace is done. And you enter in. And Gene said this, eventually there will come for you that moment where he will gain complete control when you'll continually yield to God's working within you. Walking in the unforced rhythm of grace. Unforced rhythm of grace. Yeah. And then you walk in green pastures. Evergreen. Yeah. Green pastures. Green. Green which means the, uh, this is according to the Hebraic understanding of the root words. It means the unlimited divine economy. Do you know all economics on earth are based on limitations, but you are tapped into the unlimited divine economy of heaven. I was in one meeting in Germany and the, the, they, they hardly gave any money. And I, I, I was upset, not because I do it for money, but because I was coming home again with no money. And Rachel, you know, was awesome. She didn't care about the money. But I just felt like, what kind of a dad am I? I'm coming home again. And this has happened many times where I'd coming home with no money. So God filled the offering bucket. And then a man met me on the way to the airport with a check for $1,000. One time I was in Australia and God said, I want you to give $200 to this person, $200 to that person. But I didn't have the full amount. She so said, hold in your hands what you have. And this strange presence came in the room, and the money multiplied in my hands to $200 for both. But then I thought, oh, Lord, I need around $17 for the airport for food and coffee while I'm there for a few hours. I looked on the edge of the bed. There was $17 exactly in change. See, we live in the unlimited economy of God. The unlimited. And it's the, there's a realm of being, I'm with him. And I have everything I need that's going to take us off slavery to the economy. See, I see people worrying about the economy. Don't worry about the economy. Tap into the, the nomos, the unlimited supply of green pastures where you've got a big daddy. You have a big daddy. There has to be a generation that starts to move into this, you know. My friend Nancy Cohen, for six months, they didn't have money when they were living in a certain place. Her husband's work wasn't going well. Every day, God, she had to rely on God providing the food supernaturally. And God would do crazy things. Like all the neighbors were rich and didn't know they had a problem. On the first day where she needed money, the neighbor showed up and said, Our refrigerator and freezer's broken. Can we just give you all the food so it doesn't go to waste? <laughs> and God said, but I want you to give it away. This was the thing. They'd take what they needed and give. And every day for six months, they had to do that. But you know what happened? On the last day of six months, the Lord said, because you've been faithful, I want to show you what is possible for those who believe. He said, open up your heart and think of the food you'd like to see. And move your arm. And in front of her children, I've met her children, talked to them about the story, Shannon. Nancy went like that, and God put all the food materialized out of thin air in the house. 
Boomba. So you're in the realm, and then he leads me. He leads me. Yes, we have a leader. He leads me. This is where we start to get into wild adventures where you don't know where you're going to go. Because you've got this crazy being called yod heh vav And you might be driving to the store, and the Lord says, no, turn left here. Go to this store. And you meet an old friend, and it's a divine fusion where life becomes unpredictable. And you don't know what's going to happen. You think, I'm going to pray today. I'm going to pray like a good Christian. And God says, let's go shopping. And I'll pay. He's done that to me many times. You know, one time I was praying in my room, and there was no glory on it, no whack on it. And I kept thinking about the cinema, going to the cinema, going to the cinema. After all day trying to pray, I said to Rachel, I said, oh, I think God wants me to go to the cinema. She said, that sounds right, honey. The moment I got in the car, it was like revelation, revelation. And I was in the cinema because he wants us to have a happy life, a fat and juicy, creamy, fantastic, snowboarding, whatever, happy life. It was for joy, for life unspeakable, full of glory that he came. And Christians need to start being about living. Jacked up on life. Jacked up on the juicy one, on the milky one. You know, many times I've been tired and I've turned into the breast of heaven or I've turned into the substance. Breast is a symbol. Don't, it's not like a big breast swings in the room or anything. But that would be awesome. <laughs> It'd be like, what? But I mean, I turned into the substance of God's love. And the amount of times he has renewed me and given me supernatural strength where I can't even eat. Because when I eat, the energy in the food is smaller than I'm already in. Have you ever eaten and got tired afterwards? It's because the energy you ate was lower than the realm you were already in. See, we think we need to eat like we do. All right. So, are you guys okay? Shall I finish there or keep going? How much longer? He reads me besides the waters. He restores my soul. So, what, what, what? Did you hear that? There is restoration technology in this dimension. Where even your body and soul can be restored by God. In the healing by God. In the spirit with God. Strengthened in God. Because true spiritual authority will be in you the degree that the Lord himself is your greatest encourager. See, there's too many Christians that are looking to be encouraged here when you've got your hey, vav, hey. And the, the model for this is David. You know, when his family got kidnapped, they came back from a fight. They just won. It says David's men wanted to kill David because the families had been lost. Their children had been stolen. So his enemies had turned against him. His best friends turned against him. What does it say David did? He strengthened himself in the Lord and said, we're going to recover all. See, there has to be a generation of Christians that don't need infinite amount of inner healing, deliverance, and counseling that hook themselves up into the house of Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, and they start to tap into the unlimited one, the unlimited God. You have been joined to God. You've been given the gift of God. You don't need a double portion. You've been given the spirit without measure. You've been given your hey, vav hey. You have the name. You've been given the name, and you've been given his life. His life is your life. His house is your house. His possessions are your possessions and it's time to stop living in the poverty realm the soul rule realm and start acting like sons because you have a father and he loves you and his heart is for you and his plans are to prosper you not to harm you this is not going to end badly for you yeah 
So we feast and we're in the streams of life and he regenerates us. And then it says, he, he leads me in paths of righteousness. It's the king of righteousness. Now it starts to recalibrate around you and you're in the paths within God. You're in the ancient paths. It says, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. There's a place called the good way. And it says, walk in it. What is the ancient paths? It's to return to the awareness of where you have come from. In other words, walking in the ancient paths is walking in the pathways of his heart where you came from. Jesus said, I came from the bosom, the chest of the Father. And I'm taking you back to where I came from. So you're from there and you live there in the burning layers of the divine. In the arteries of his love. And you begin to walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, righteousness is not so much as a way of behavior as a condition of life. Wow, okay. Nearly done, guys. So, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your relationship with death now changes because you realize something, something we should have known all along. Death is a shadow. It doesn't have substance. It's been defeated. It says he took the keys of death and he, he said, my holy ones will not see decay. And you can walk straight through death. And it's a shadow, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you're actually walking in comfort, and you can walk through the most crazy situations that other people can't walk through. And death starts to untether from your DNA, because it's like, yod heh vav is with them. Where can I rest on them when he holds them in his heart? And that's what happened to Enoch. It says, Enoch walked with God, and he tasted not death. See, union is the technology of immortality. In you, I live. So we're going to have a big breakup with death in this generation. See, listen to this. Talking about the old priesthood, Hebrews 7.23, there were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. <laughs> Did you hear that? This is what Hebrews is describing has happened to us in the order of Melchizedek, Aaron, Moses, they all died. John Wesley, all these people died, but there's a generation that won't die because they, they need to stay in office to shepherd, a, to, <laughs> to shepherd a new world. Let me read it again. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. See, there's a generation that say, Lord, I want to remain in office. Thank you very much. Continuing to be a priest without interruption and without successor for all time. So you begin to function in a role that no one succeeds you in because it's an ever role. Without father, without mother. So you step out from your genetic house. Without genealogy, so your genes can't create your life anymore. Neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the son of God. Made like the son of God to remain a priest continually. For you have been born again, that is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for this purpose, not of seed, DNA, which is perishable, 
but from that which is imperishable and immortal, that is through the living and everlasting word of God. 1 Peter 1.23. The new life that comes from God, it says this, did not come from something that dies, it comes from something that cannot die. See, think about this, you already have it in you, inside you in seed form is something that can never die, even if your body dies. But the deal is, God's looking to glorify the house so the house looks like the heart. In other words, as you think in your heart, so your house becomes. In other words, your body starts to transfigure, which has always been the aim of Christianity. And, you know, my friend Ian Clayton was taken into the future. I can't remember what year it was. I think it might have been in the 2040s. And he literally saw, like, people that were shining ones. Okay. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Okay. Your rod and staff, they comfort me, and you prepare a table before me, so we're feasting. Yummy, yummy. In the presence of our enemies, so it seems like we've moved out of the realm of warfare. The God of peace crushes Satan under our feet. See, there's a place where God rises the man of war and fights on your behalf. See, the little baby lamb's job isn't to be the tough one. He's with the tough one. It says, I will be a shield around you to guard you. I am a strong tower. You run into me and you're safe. We have to start engaging the full supply of the man of war. Try it. Invoke the name. Look it up in Scripture, the man of war. And then you anoint my head with oil. You begin to live in a state of being under the government of the seven spirits where the oil is flowing on you and your heart is being enriched with enlightenment and wisdom and understanding and your head is continually flowing with oil. And you are oily and you are saturated and you are... You are inebriated and you are covered with fresh oil. Not the oil of a move of God or the oil of a past revelation, but the continual stream that comes from being in oneness with him. Where you are evergreen and his mercies are new every morning. And every day you wake up and there's a supply overshadowing you. Job said your buttery goodness would be there when I woke up. And you wake up and it's already there. He's already set you up for cream and butter and fatness. That fatness is already embracing you. Goodness is already surrounding you. And you live in not a dark and creepy end time. You live in a new world being created around you and through you and for you. Which is unlimited. Okay. Psalm 92, 10 says this, But my horn, my strength, you've exalted like a wild ox. I've been anointed with fresh oil. I am covered with fresh oil, strong as a wild bull. For those who are planted in the house of the Lord, planted, not visiting. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. They shall be, still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. They will remain lush and fresh, full of sap, fat and flourishing. And they will begin to be evergreen and full of life. Then my wine cup runs over. 
So what happens now? And it's not your fault. Like Paul said, if I'm in ecstasies, it's God's fault. He said this, if I'm besides myself, it's God's fault. That word besides is ecstasy, ecstasis. If I'm blissfully out of my mind, it's for God's glory. So who fills the cup? He does. And do you know what? He doesn't even just give you a little dab. It says he fills your cup till it overflows. So now you start living, not in a move of God, you're living in the wine house. And you're becoming the house of wine. And this is all the saints in history lived in this. Remember, I learned this from Jean Goyon. She lived this. Isn't it cool that 20 minutes of someone touching my knee, and I'm giving you the short version. I learned this by direct encounter with one of the cloud of witnesses. See, that's the era we're in. Don't demean yourself. Open your heart and honor that realm, and what you honor will come to you. You could have a visitation this week from one of the cloud of witnesses, and you unlock something that none of us have seen. That's how at hand heaven is. Don't put a limitation on his goodness, and don't let your past determine your future. So my cup overflows. I love this. It's, until it intoxicates, it says. They will be intoxicated. Psalm 36, 8. They will be intoxicated with the fatness of your house. And you'll give them drink from the river of your delights. Jeremiah 30. I will soak the souls of the priests with butter fat. And satisfy my people with my goodness. Ancient Roots translation. I will soak them with butter fat. And water them from the riverbed of Eden. Song of Solomon, kiss me and make me drunk with your kisses, for your sweet loving is better than wine. Your love is like myrrh and aloe. Under your tongue is honey. Kiss me and make me drunk with your kisses and take me into the house of wine. See, that's the heart of David. That's the heart of Jean Goyon. That's the heart of Joseph Agapetino and Francis of Assisi. They were love addicts. They were intoxicated, addicted, with no apology, love slaves. Teresa of Avila called mysticism becoming a slave of love. Paul, uh, Paul put it like this, for the love that Christ has for me presses me on every side. It holds me to one end. It's the very spring of every action and it leaves me no choice. For I am ruled by Christ's love. And heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. <laughs> And my heart burns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to live in these regrets. When I think about the way he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm giving you my life. And then what happens is this. I love this translation. Song Solomon 2.4. Now he has brought me into the house of wine. I am in the fever of love. When was the last time you, you got like a proper fever from God? Like you're burning hot. That's happened to me this week a couple of times. It happened to me in the house. It happened to you. You know, it's called Insignia Memoris, the burning heart of love. Yeah. Then goodness and love follow me. So this is awesome, right? You get stalkers. <laughs> this is amazing, not creepy stalkers. Goodness and love are following you. It's like, get away. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Heaven chases you. Generosity runs towards you. Goodness and love follow you. 
And you can't get away from it. You've been stalked by angels, stalked by the seven spirits, stalked by big eyes going, I see you, I see you. For goodness love, they follow me all the days of my life. Every day. Do you know what that's called? It's called, this is what Jean Goyon called it. She says a new law comes into effect in your life called the law of magnetism. What does that mean? It says it starts to come to you. Like with your situation where you went to see that rich guy. You know, I've been invited to meet lots of different people and I know nothing you know, I got to John Paul's prophetic council with all the old prophets. One of my most favorite experiences I've ever had in my entire ministry life was when I went to the urinals. And I, lo- I was washing my hands and I looked. And there was all the heroes of the faith going to the urinals talking. Going, and John Sanford comes past with a Zimmer frame. And I went, I'm like in the urinals of heaven. <laughs> I was in a washroom and everyone in that washroom was the people I'd read books for all my life that shaped a generation, and I'm there because of the law of magnetism, unqualified. So you don't have to qualify yourself. He has qualified you. It's about being in him, that he will open doors that no man can open. You know, I've seen the most advanced nanocomputer technology. Just the other day, someone tried to get me to go to Washington, D.C. to meet the vice president, but I didn't go because it wasn't on my scroll, because I'm not following man, I'm following him. What's the one man over another? He's found amongst the homeless. And people are so seeking to invade mountains. Why? I'm going to take the seven mountains by working my way up and become the boss and make everybody act like I want them to. I thought we were the servants of all. I thought we win by serving, not dominating. So you get stalked by heaven. I've been stalked by heaven so many times. Lord, Father, I pray right now, I believe this is going to open for you. Lord, let people be stalked by angels. It's okay if you don't want them, just keep looking like you do now and they'll they'll stay away. It's fine. All right, I'm nearly done. Look, I'm going home tomorrow. You can carry on. (laughs) The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. There's such a a thing on you guys for wealth that's going to come. Yeah. They shall gather and they shall come to you. And you'll be surrounded by favor for the Lord will bless the righteous and with favor he will surround them as like a shield. Okay, and then we're coming to the last bit of the psalm. We've managed to do all of Psalm 23. How does it end? Dun, dun, dun. It ends with you becoming multi-locational. I'll explain it. Don't panic. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you're always there, which means part of you is going to separate and always be in conscious awareness of reality whilst you function in the earth, but your heart has been stolen. Your heart no longer beats in your chest. It's in his heart, and he has you just where he wants you. 
And you begin to live not as a person that ascends, you live as a person that descends from that realm. To release life and glory. And you can go anywhere in the cosmos because you never leave his house. And you become a pillar in his house that goes out no more. I'm going to end with this. This is Rick Joyner's words. There is a door standing open and there is an invitation for us to go through it. Those who answer this call will be caught up into the spirit with the result that they will always be seeing the one who sits on the throne. This is the ultimate purpose of all true prophetic revelation, seeing the glorious risen Christ and the authority he now has over all. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Father. Father, I just ask now for expanded consciousness. Come on, you've got to see this. I am the door. Whoever believes will find green pastures. I am the door. Green pastures. I am the door. I am the door to green pastures. Come on in. Feast. Come on in. Be filled. Come on in to life. I will restore your soul. Death will become a shadow. You will feast at my table. You will rest in my green pastures. And the river of life will flow through you. And goodness and love will follow you. And you will dwell in my heart forever. For truly, this is where you belong. This is where you came from. This is the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Amen. Amen.